0: using a video game system is the same as using your economy in my head when you're the underdog you know you have to innovate right it's it's not an option
1: welcome to the convergence the army's mad scientist podcast i'm matt Sanspert of the mad scientist team and i'll be joined in just a moment by luke Shabro, deputy director of mad scientist Mad Scientist is a US Army initiative that continually explores the future of warfare, challenges assumptions, and collaborates with academia, industry, and government. You can connect with us through Twitter at Army MadSci or subscribe to the blog, the Mad Scientist Laboratory, at MadSciblog.tradoc.army.mil. On today's episode, we're featuring the winner of our most recent writing contest. First, you'll get to listen to an audiobook version of the winning submission, Task Force Wolf followed by a discussion with the author, Lieutenant Colonel Daniel Gomez. We'll talk to Daniel about his inspiration for the story, the impact of democratized technology and ubiquitous connectivity, and his views on the national security community's response to these emerging threats. As always, the views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the Department of Defense, Department of the Army, Army Futures Command, or Training and Doctrine Command. And now, Task Force Wolf. Force Wolf by Lieutenant Colonel Daniel Gomez. September 22nd, 2033, 3.18am Eastern Standard Time. Jamil's cheek pressed <coughs> firmly into the cold hardwood floor of his living room, a black tactical boot on the back of his neck holding him in place. He watched as the blue and red lights of police cars swept across his leather couch and pictures of his wife and daughters. He listened as armed men trounced through a suburban home, resting in a subdivision cul de sac just outside Alexandria. The officers called to each other, their conversation accented by doors being kicked open. Clear! One shouted. Second floor clear, sir. No contact. Another called down the stairway. An older man in a tactical vest holstered his handgun and sneered.
2: Damn it, let him up!
1: He ordered. Jamil felt the boot lift off his neck and heard the snap of pliers cutting through the zip ties cinched around his wrists. The emotion rushed to his head as he rose from the ground, a black-gloved hand helping him. However, before Jamil could voice his anger, the outrage, the mortal danger they could have put his family in, the lead officer interrupted his thoughts. Sir, I'm uh, sorry, but… He paused. We believe you were swatted. Two weeks ago, Lt. Col. Jamil Roberts was assigned as the officer in charge of the Joint Operations Center of Special Operations Joint Task Force, WOLF. It was a unit designed to track and interrupt illicit operations in Eurasia, specifically Turkey and its northern neighbors. His in-brief consisted of a hundred-slide intelligence PowerPoint presentation, 17 white papers on transnational organizations, a Center for Army Lessons Learned handbook on Russian operations in the Russo-Ukraine War 2022-2025, and a Disneyflix documentary series on China's invasion of Taiwan in 2023. With the fluctuation of political and military power in the United States, Indonesia, the new Soviet Union, and to China, Both state and non-state actors across the globe have begun irregular warfare operations regionally and internationally. The jock-in brief of known adversaries paled in comparison to the list of unknown or potential adversaries. Task Force Wolf operated out of Constantinople, Turkey, in support of the European Union's military. It provided a myriad of capabilities, including military deception, cyber, and information operations. So let me get this straight, Robert said, pacing back and forth in front of his intel team on the jock floor. You're telling me that a mobile video game- Yes, sir. Staff Sergeant Rodriguez replied. Has more technological prowess and military support capability- Robert stammered. That's correct, sir. Sergeant Major Lee added. Than I have ever had- Roberts continued, his voice peaking to an uncomfortable volume. Rodriguez nodded, her eyebrows scrunching together along with her nose. In my
2: 23 years in the Army, 15 in special operations, and 8 at JSOC?
1: He asked, exasperated. Yep. Rodriguez replied, popping her lips. (sighs) I'm done for today, he huffed. Sergeant Major? He acknowledged. Have a good leave, sir. Lee replied, his hand chopping the sky with a mock salute. Roberts pushed the jock door open, mumbling to himself. Stupid
2: multinational drug dealing, crypto stealing, human trafficking, video game playing
1: crime syndicates. Lee turned to Rodriguez as he flipped through the briefing. The boss is right. It's just crazy how we are supposed to be the greatest fighting force on earth, and these third-rate actors run circles around us using mobile games. He said depressingly. Sergeant Major, it takes me 14 clicks to check my AOL.gov email. Rodriguez answered, sitting back at her desk. Lee continued flipping through the slides. Apparently, a non-state actor called Last was using a mobile game called Shambling Corpses Legacy to manage operations from the Mediterranean, through Turkey, and up through the Southern Caucasus. Based on a graphic novel turned Netflix miniseries, SCL was a free-to-play game that seemed innocuous. Players would log in and lead a group of survivors through the apocalypse by gathering resources, attacking zombies, and managing their army. After reaching level 10, players would be thrust into a random clan to continue their journey to become clan master of their numbered region. These clans and regions, however, were not geo-specific. Players from any country with Wi-Fi or SAT service would join together and conduct operations across SCL's different gameplay modes. SCL also featured microtransactions, so paying players could jump ahead of their peers by substituting money for speed-ups and resources. Lee flipped to the last slide. In SCL's war game mode, clans had to invade other regions to secure key terrain to gain special resources giving them distinct advantages in battle. The clan leader had clan staff send out scheduled and impromptu messages to ensure well-resourced players would be available to invade and win. The staff would need to manage recall rosters of up to 80 players at a time across multiple time zones and countries. SCL had an auto-translate chat feature that could enable communication across 100 languages. The last clan had members from Korea, China, the USA, Turkey, Russia, and Brazil to name a few. Additionally, in war, the clans had to manage their alliances, map out the regions of opposing clans, and manage their clan bonus resources to support their invasion force stood up from his GSA-procured leather-bound swivel chair and exclaimed, This isn't a game! He strode up to the whiteboard on the jock floor. This, he circled a capital L in red, is LAST. These, he drew multiple circles in blue, are different countries. What LAST is doing is using SCL to learn how to conduct multi-domain synchronized operations across multiple geospatial regions. They are operating as independent, self-sustained, and distributed joint teams, using real-time, culturally neutral comms. He finished, emphatically drawing arrows connecting all of the shapes. I'm done for today. Lee sighed, dropping the marker onto the board. Rodriguez? He acknowledged. Sergeant Major? Rodriguez replied, still looking down at her laptop, her hand chopping the sky with a mock salute. Rodriguez continued to update her last intel file, focusing on how they received funding. Users throughout the dark web would purchase parcel pieces of the last decentralized autonomous organization to become members. The clan leaders would then baski kagidi or print paper in Turkish, selling those parcels to another party. The catch is that they would retain ownership under the table, only to purchase those parcels back at a higher rate. These members would then engage in hacking operations to add value. Last engaged in blackmail deep snapping, manipulating accessed home camera video with deep fakes, and spot blowing, accessing car toll passes, visiting less than reputable locations. It wouldn't be a one-time deal either. Last would force victims to pay monthly security fees to gig workers who were most likely AI chat GPT X bots. The last operatives also shared videos of these operations on the dark web and charged money for views. The payments would be done in cryptocurrency but washed in a cash out marketplace. Think of it as a pawn shop for crypto where whoever had held the crypto was more valuable than what the crypto was being traded at. Last year alone, they made $230 million. Last operated via a mix of low and high-tech mediums. They would meet locally at chain restaurant kiosks or virtually in gaming apps like SCL. Last even created a new tactic, husking. A husk is an extremely vulnerable person. Their only job is to activate a burner sat phone. The phones were hazardous and when powered up, activated a one-time use AI script that issued blackmail statements to scam victims. Rodriguez felt like a broken record. She tried to explain to her leaders how our adversaries would use the convergence of emergent technologies to their advantage, but to no avail. Gaming, apps, crypto, DAOs, hacking, blackmail, chat GPT, and AI were all right there waiting to be used. But it seems that last got there first. Wrapping up, she headed outside to the jock phone locker. Her musk phone bracelet buzzed to life when it recognized her DNA. 93 messages? She whispered in disbelief. Read she commanded. Her bracelet emitted a holograph of an AI-generated green-eyed woman sitting on a gilded throne. Good afternoon, Sarah. My name is Jade.
0: Last has been watching your little work there in Constantinople, and Last is not pleased. Discontinue your operations now, or face the consequences, she whispered. You have been warned.
1: The woman disappeared and faded into the task force wolf crest, followed by an exploding logo of her daughter's dance school. Two weeks later, in the slums of Chittagong, Bangladesh, Amrit ripped open a black plastic bag using his decayed and yellow teeth. He wiped a thin coat of mercury off the sat phone inside with his sleeve and plugged in a dilithium battery. The phone vibrated and turned to green, showing it had achieved signal. On the other side of the world at 3 a.m. Eastern Time, a desk officer pressed the glowing answer icon on her headset. Alexandria Police Department, what's your emergency? That was Task Force Wolf by Lieutenant Colonel Daniel Gomez. Now, let's jump into our discussion with Lieutenant Colonel Gomez. Daniel, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me, guys. Uh, I really appreciate it and look
0: forward to the discussion.
2: Awesome. Yeah. So, you know, part of the reason you're on, uh, we just talked about, and Matt just read through uh, your your fantastic story. So we had a writing contest uh, that, that brought you into this on Task Force Wolf was your story. But can you first tell us kind of about yourself and your background and how did you get where you are now?
0: Yeah, sure. So I, I'm an Army guy. I've been in the Army 20 years now, believe it or not. Or not, it still scares me when I say that, right? Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I've, you know, I was artillery. I did two combat tours in Iraq. I went to special operations. I'm a civil affairs guy. Um, taught at the schoolhouse there for a while. And then I went to the reserves because I started, uh, I wanted to try something new. And I started my own company, First Person Experience, which does immersive experiential training for special operations folks. And that brought me over to a lot of interesting places and meeting interesting people, one of which was attending your guys' Mad Scientist conference. And then I saw people were getting the Mad Scientist label, and I said, that is my new goal in life. I need to do whatever I can to get that. And I I saw the contest and jumped on it, and it was just a great avenue to share just some of the concepts I've been thinking about for the longest in a way that was – fun and exciting, um, using fiction. And um, I was just really happy to submit and win. And I'm, I'm excited to be a part of the community now. I got a certificate in the mail last week. Got to take a picture and put it on LinkedIn, though.
1: That's great stuff. And so the proclamation is working as intended. Um, you know, we're hoping more people see it and want to get involved. Um, so that's great. So we want, to, But we want to talk about your story, like Luke mentioned, uh, for our writing contest. So we want to know, you know, What inspired you to write this story beyond the prompt that we gave out? Why did you choose these topics and these things in your story?
0: Well, uh, the first thing is that there's so much going on in this world that I think the defense community is missing, right? We're not paying attention to the stuff. We're we're like in our own little hole, working on our uh, our own little things. But there's so much more going on in the world. And when every time something new uh, occurs the enemy tries to turn it into a weapon, right? We should be doing the same thing, but we're much slower than them. So I wanted to showcase how uh, our adversaries could take advantage of new technologies and how they all link together to create something awesome. I took a a point of view from special operations, right? How we have guys out there working every single day in many, many countries um, who are not armed, right? They're in a permissive environment or a semi-permissive environment, and they have to work there every day. But how can adversaries take advantage of that and um, use different new techniques to uh, attack them, right? They don't just have to shoot them or blow them up or anything like that. But I'm talking about blackmail, attacking them in their house. I use the the, the terms swatting and, and other things like that. Uh, this, these things are all possible today. Uh, And I I do think that we as a defense professionals need to consider these, these things when we deploy people downrange, or when we're working with um, defense agencies in in unique ways. So that's why, that's what led me to write
1: it. Did you choose the video game portion of it specifically because of um, how video games are evolving right now? Uh, Was that something you specifically tried to target? Was there, was there a, purpose behind that and sort of a generational thing as well?
0: Well, actually, yes and no. Uh, The main reason I chose that video game is that I got latched onto that video game, which was um, the video game in the story was called um, Shambling Corpse's Legacy. But in reality, it was Walking Dead survivors. Right. That's what the real game was about. And uh, I started playing like two years ago. And I saw things going on in that game that I've never seen anywhere else. And I was absolutely flabbergasted by the real-time translation, the fact that – and and, and I, some of the things are true. So when I started playing the game, I got thrown into a clan, and that clan was led by Turkish people, right? So it was a bunch of Turkish people playing. And the one of the clan leaders, her name was Jade. Um, her name was Emerald in real life and the story was Jade and um we just had a great old time talking with each other and but it would be in our own languages and the translation would come up and it was so such a unique way to, to talk and then like uh you know we'd be saying hey you know th- that that guy he's not doing the right thing you know he, his, his base is not in the right place and he would happen to be Chinese right because they would have Chinese words or or Japanese or Korean. And they're like, oh, no, it's the Korean guy again. He's messing it up for everybody. And, and we, and then the Korean guy would come on there and speak in Korean, and we, we'd start talking to him as well. Never seen anything like that. Multi-country, immediate translation, synchronizing our operations across 17 different time zones or however many, many time zones they are. And we were ranked number two in, like, the server, right? Just, just so fascinated by that. And I said, well, you know, this is multi-domain. I forgot the list, I put it in the story, right? But it's like multi-domain, distributed teams, real-time comms, simultaneous synchronous operations, right? Everything was going on in this game and I thought that was fascinating. So I threw it in there
2: as well. No, I really love that. And I think it, it's a really important point. And I see it right now, even, even when I play Call of Duty or uh, my kids are really into Fortnite and you kind of see these distributed teams. Um, and Matt and I were even talking about earlier the way people communicate on Discord uh, and kind of really self-organizing on a lot of these things. And so it's pretty unique how you see that. And you might reach people in a much different way than we, you know, especially when it was interesting, you said you brought it from a special operations point of view. And typically when we think of special operations, it's, you know, seals coming out of the water, uh, fully full camo and, you know, ghillie suit and and snipers doing that. It's rangers, you know, uh, coming out of a helicopter. It's all these action things. And we don't think about all the other special aspects of special operations. So I think that's really interesting. And you really, in the story, you really depicted a multi-vectored, you know, somewhat unpredictable non-state actor threat, but with everything with that, with the, what you talked about, how they come together, the multi-domain, um, going across all these different tasks, what opportunities do you see for in that for a larger, more centralized organization like the Department of Defense? When you're the underdog,
0: you know, you have to innovate, right? It's it's not an option. Um, you don't have a trillion dollar budget. Um, you don't have the, these this type of uh, administrative pass like like we do. You have to get out there and try new things. And you know, these non state actors can can just jump onto a video game like Fortnite or what have you, and start using that this larger opportunity, right, of communications of using their servers, using their communications and everything like that, they can they can take advantage of that and use it against us, right? And keep it keep it off the grid and then use it against us. I think the DoD can learn from that um, by, one, studying it, right? First, first off, we got to study it because we, we don't know what we don't know, right? So get people out there playing these games, looking at all these unique opportunities, and uh, uh, um, begin to understand how we can learn from these. That's the first thing. Make sure we are aware of this stuff. Second, we need to experiment, right? We're, that is a big no-no. If you do, like last time I checked, 20 years in military, never once did someone so, tell me, go try something and if you fail, it's okay, right? Doesn't happen. Your mission is this, not your mission may be this. Your mission is to try, right? It, it, it's not like that. We don't. We don't believe in failure. Meanwhile, SpaceX blows up the largest rocket ever but it's an absolute success and it's viewed as a success. And they say, Hey, it doesn't matter. You know, it's a learning opportunity. We're going to keep going. Um, We need to, as a DOD, we need to do that as well. We need to have teams that are out there experimenting with non-DOD type stuff like video games. Like there's groups that work on RC cars that are like gas powered. We need to have people doing that type of stuff. We need people making battle bots, right? We need people making um, escape room puzzles, a- a- anything that we t- as a cipher or whatever, We need anything that we can take advantage of, you know, mindfulness or whatever. The whole world's out there. We need to have teams exploring every option and seeing how we can use that in our, our methods. I just saw an article on LinkedIn today was this guy did Army single sign-on and he created this thing that lets, with one button, you sign on to everything so you don't have to keep on signing on to stuff. And that's like shocking. And it's common sense, it's beautiful, it's amazing. Give that guy a medal. But the fact that we pay a billion dollars to other organizations and they cannot do that is, is kind of sad. So, you know, they just the dragon's lair, right? An innovative competition with SOCOM was a part of it. Fantastic. The winners is a, a private and a lieutenant. Fantastic. Getting after the problem. The problem that they chose, mold. How can we? create this device, and using technology, discover where the mold will appear and get ahead of it and attack it at the problem. So these um, um, kids, they're kids, first off, right? So these kids made up the solution that's excellent, and it will solve a problem that we have. Fantastic. Everybody, they need to be applauded and everything like that. On another hand, we're a trillion-dollar organization who can't solve mold in the freaking barracks. The common sense thing that property managers do every single day all across the world, we just have no clue. So we we ha- we had these two kids make up an idea, and we're going to do what they did, right? So I, I believe that we do need to like balance the awesome ability of our people and talent, but also – Why are we spending a trillion dollars and we can't even solve a stupid mold? Like what the hell is wrong with us? Right? So I really think we need to do both those things and I'm controversial, but that, Hey, that's what I do.
1: Well, that's why we have this podcast. We don't, we we don't want to hear what we've always heard. We want controversial opinions. We want divergent thought. Um, You, you had me at get out there and play video games. So I'm sold. Um, But you're right. Um, You know what you described you know, in terms of we need to have people out there, for instance, as you said, you know, designing escape rooms, um, that it's just that we need that type of thinking, we need different mental models to be attacking the problems that we're going up against. Um, So I want to talk a little bit uh, about some of the things we saw in the story again. So there were a lot of TTPs we saw in that story. Um, So how do you see those, coupled with what we have now, hyperconnectivity? distributed globally, these ad hoc human networks, like you said, you were paired up in that game with some uh, people from Turkey and Korea um, in this immersive game. How do you see all of that evolving in the future?
0: Every time there's something new, called it emergence, right? Something new comes out and it has a possibility to revolutionize our world or just make a little dent, right? So something like Google is like a revolutionary Uh, thing that changed our language you know instead of saying we search for something we say we google it now right and it just it gives us massive all the data in the world at at our fingertips Um, you look at uh, chat GPT that thing is straight up completely changing how a lot of things are run whether it's the Hollywood writer's strike right or uh, generative art or you know uh, sentience right in Skynet um, I, that reminds me, I got to work on my time machine. But all this type of stuff uh, can can change the world, right? So we have to understand how it changes the world, how enemies will use it, and how we can use it against our adversaries. Whatever it is, AI, ChatGPT, um, Uber, right? A little 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 stuff. And the same answer as before is continue that experimentation, right? Um, that's how we can see where where do I put this thing? You know, I got this Lego block, right? Where do I stick it? Does it work? Can, can we use it in some some way, shape, or form, right? In this one, I had the enemies using it, but the good guys can use it as well. So in the story, I created three new types of threats, right? And all I did was take an advancement in technology, human system, put it together, and I exploited it, right? So there was deep snapping, where we're taking uh, pictures inside your house. We, we got into your Ring your simply safe. We're stealing those pictures, and now I got the chief of police house. I, I put some um uh, deep fake technology in there, and I can make lo- it look like he committed a crime scene in his in his basement, or you know he's a furry, right? I put him in a furry suit, have some furries doing furry stuff in there, um, and I put it out on the net, and he's he's exposed. And the other one was spot blowing where like all I took is your easy everyone has an easy pass right take your easy pass track it and oh look you went to you know Cinderella's secret dungeon or whatever whatever right place and I could just put it on the internet hey guy you want me to put this info out on you I don't think you do because your wife's not gonna like it um and you could do threats like that um or, or husking is where we took advantage of people who have no other choice in life right? So like the guy in the story was from Bangladesh. He's, he doesn't have any food, but someone said, I'll give you a hundred bucks American, right? If you turn on the cell phone, people are going to do that, right? People people will do that. So uh, we can do this with any technology in the future. Take people's systems, understand the technology, slap it together, and then exploit a the vulnerability. Um, that's what we've been doing forever. Uh, one of the things, uh, uh, this is going to be my next story, but. I saw on YouTube, there's a dude who hacks the scammers in like Bangladesh. So he'll hack their, their security cameras. He'll look at their link, their um, Facebook profiles and everything like that. He'll get their names and their addresses, and then he'll um, call them up and act like he's the victim, but then start dropping hints on that he knows everything about them to straight up... um, attacking them with like roach bombs and glitter bombs and and stuff like that. And he's the, he's a good guy, right? He's like the Robin Hood uh, trying to, trying to get back at the scammers. One dude, absolutely amazing. Like the, the things that he did, it would take teams of special operations people a couple months to do and he's able to do it himself. These TTPs, all it is is just people being creative with new technology, human systems, and then exploiting a vulnerability, and that's the key. We can do it. They can do it. Um, that's the
2: future. No, I think that's really interesting. I'm I'm glad you actually brought up that video because, you know, when you look at it, again, we're kind of talking about. You think about military. We have a tendency, uh, the DoD, to think about everything that goes bang, um, everything that's you know explosives and and everything in terms of munitions and the like, uh, or at least vehicles that drive and do all these things, right? But do you think the national security community is not thinking about enough about the impacts of virtual and cyber threats that then manifest into the real world? And and do we need to really kind of reassess what military power is? Because we think about military power, again, as tanks, aircraft, ships, guns, uh, and people as well. Uh, but that's how we tend to you know, conventionally think about power. Uh, do we need to reassess that? And you, and you really pointed that out in your story when you said your Sergeant Major in the story said, this is more power than I've had and I've been working in special operations for 20 years.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, I really think it, it's, it's, to me, maybe we're, we're digging too deep. Maybe we gotta get back out the hole, right? And, and I look at you know, multi-domain operations. Fantastic. Right? I used to call it war, right? So (laughs) where you take a war, war is let's go back to the definition of war, right, which is imposing your political will on another through violence, right? So in reality, war uses uh, doesn't just use the military, right? Throughout history, we use everything we have. Um, And that's best defined as the instruments of power, right? Dime, some people have dime fill, right? Diplomacy, Information, military, and the economy. Bottom line is that you know when we're at war, we're at war with with everything we have. We can't half-ass it, right? That and that's what we do. We've been half-assing war. You know, I'm a I'm a Iraq war veteran. My friends are all Afghanistan war veterans. Guess what? We lost. Sorry, womp womp. Right? Um, uh, one of the little girls at my kid's school asked me on Veterans Day. How many wars have I been in? And how many did I win? And I said, oh, and two, kid. Oh, and two. Right. And it's it, it really sucks uh to, to have that feeling, but that's a, it's a it's a fact. And the reason why is because we kind of half-stepped it. Could we win a war tomorrow? Yes. Country A, country, and, and versus us, we'll win if we want to, if we use everything we have, not just our military, right? You cannot, I don't think um, there are very few wars you can win with only your military. So I think I say we go back to um, when we're looking at existential threats. You know, Ukraine woke up one day and had an existential threat everywhere. And what are they using against to their fight against Russia? Everything they have. Everything they have, and they're doing it to great effect. Russia is not using everything it has. But one day they could wake up and change their mind right? Especially if uh, somebody drops a a, a 20 millimeter cannon in in uh, Putin's house, he might change his mind one day. And if he uses everything he has, that's a bad situation, right? So I I kind of got off topic here, but the bottom line is that you have to look at it as a whole picture, right? How we use the military, the economy and everything like that. Using a video game system is the same as using your economy in my head, right? Uh, Using a military system versus using the ability to hack into someone's ring system is the same thing in my head, right? So we need to do everything we can when we fight wars within legal boundaries to make sure we win, make sure we get the advantage, right? Um, So we do need need to rethink, is it just tanks or Tomahawk missiles or satellites or Green Berets or Rangers, right? Or um, we need to have uh, diplomatic missions, we need to have our guys, out intelligence guys, in every sh- way, shape, and form. We need to do a lot more than what we're doing now.
1: I think those are great points. I, I know we're doing a lot better considering cyber and virtual into uh, uh, you know military operations, but I think there is still that mindset out there that tier one is kinetic, and then a lower tier is cyber, and it really can't. It'll only end up hurting us if we don't consider them all to be in the same tier when we're when we're fighting.
0: Yeah. My brother Luke, he made some LinkedIn posts and I don't want to throw rocks, right? Because it's like, for for example, let's say there's a country that has a deal with another country that they would unite at some point later in time. And that country can basically walk there. They don't have to launch a 30,000 ship invasion force with aircraft and hypersonic missiles and stuff like that. They can literally start building a bridge until they reach that location. And what can you do against that? Right? I understand what you can do against a 30,000 ship invasion or whatever. But what happens if somebody just starts building a bridge? And they start getting closer and closer. And then like, oh, we got to hit it with the Tomahawk missile. Well, then you're the, you're the aggressor, right? You know, last time I checked, I was just flying a balloon. And you all blew it up? Why did you do that? You're meany. You're a bad person, right? So it, it it all depends on how you look at things, how you spin it diplomatically or, uh, for example, the, the, the spy balloon, right? It was a military operation with military targets, but they played it off as, no, it wasn't, right? And now either you believe us or you don't, you got to make a compelling argument uh, with information operations at that point, right? So it all mixes together, military, diplomacy, information operations, electronic warfare, everything like that. Um, We got to understand that it's all connected, right? Illegal fishing, buying up land in your country, paying off politicians. That's all part of the long game. So we need to understand that, so.
1: I'm glad you kept it all hypothetical. These are just ideas, right? (laughs) Uh, so, no, that's that's all good stuff. Um, you know, you're absolutely right. And um, hopefully we are thinking about these things uh, a little bit more and with, with a little bit more focus. So those are the questions we had for you. But if you've l- listened to this podcast before, you'd know that you're not done yet. We have our rapid-fire questions oh, for you. Cool. So we're going to fly into those now. First question, what's a trend or technology that keeps you up at night?
0: Uh, the number one keep-me-up-at-night thing is – Some goober makes a nanotechnology robot that replicates itself and doesn't have an off switch because that's the number one thing that will kill everyone on Earth in a matter of days, right? I hope nobody does that. Um, There's a lot of other stuff out there, but that's the thing that if a nanobot can create itself and it uses resources to do that and no one can turn it off, that's just a bad place. And for reference, you can watch Gargoyles, yeah gargoyles had that on there
1: well that's a pretty unique answer i don't think we've heard anything like that um i'm kind of upset with you for throwing that idea out there so people know about it now it's it's already been out there okay
0: yeah so yeah just watch out gargoyles episode i think it's called um are we talking
1: about gargoyles the cartoon from the 90s the cartoon yeah
0: that's the only thing yeah
1: i love i love that cartoon i'm
0: pretty sure the episode's called walkabout and uh it's the the nanotechnology robot that It's like, I'm going to kill the world. And then the dude's like, please don't do that. And then he goes, why? He goes, because there's good people in the world. And then he goes, okay. And then they they work together as a team from then on. And I'm like, I love it.
1: Yeah,
2: hopefully that works. I wish Disney comics, uh, or I I wish those kind of stories happened
1: in real life.
0: Yeah, yeah. We'll get there with it.
1: All right, so... Uh, next question here, and your answer to this question can't be that you're a gargoyles historian. Oh yeah. <laughs> but what is something about you that you're willing to share with us that most people might not know?
0: I am a twin. That's new, but um, people still don't know that. And I uh well I get out of the car backwards sometimes. That's an unusual thing.
2: Identical twin uh, or fraternal? No, fraternal. Oh, I was gonna say, are we talking to the actual Daniel Gomez? No, he's up in he's
0: driving. <laughs>
2: yeah. He's a lieutenant colonel
1: too. So.
0: Um, the oh, I could play all the instruments on rock band and win at the same time.
1: Simultaneously, really? Yes, that's impressive. It is. That's good. So that's all right. That's three things. I feel like we glossed over. You get out of cars backwards sometimes. Well, why?
0: I don't know. It's a habit. Okay. It's only when I'm driving my black Civic. Everything else, I get off forwards. Oh, because I think I'm always getting. My brother makes fun of me. So
1: okay, fair enough. No, we're not here to judge on this show. So, um, the last one, this is one we'll judge you the most for is what's your favorite movie?
0: Yeah. Uh, so I don't put cartoons in the movie category cause I cannot name my favorite cartoon movie, but I can say my favorite real life movie is true lies. I think I saw that at least, at least 15 times. And there's a lot of, a lot more up there. You know, red dawn is one of my favorites. Uh, any of the, the, the classics, you know, but, uh, I'd say True Lies as an adult movie because it has everything in there. Everything. It's like Dana, jump, Daddy will catch you, <laughs> and stuff like that. Right? I just love everything about it. I
2: I love it, Matt. Wasn't uh, Jason from Deservo that was his favorite, right? That's exactly right. This is the second time True Lies has come up. Nice. I I, I got it. You got to appreciate any movie where Arnold gets to fly a Harrier.
0: Oh yeah, that's and the, and the thing about that's makes me nostalgic for uh movies it was you know real real harriers on a, on a crane uh, and it was it was they filmed it on site in the florida keys you know like we need to do that more it looks look like top gun right they they did everything real makes you feel better about the movies
1: i completely agree with you. you don't get the same you don't feel the weight through cgi cgi is great for a lot of stuff i'm not going to i'm not going to be some old curmudgeon saying that we shouldn't be using computers to make our movies but you just don't get the same weight and feel and belief when you see that stuff being made through through oh, cgi yeah. as you do with just, a real uh, practical prop
0: i showed my kids a white white fang you know that old movie back from um the 80s i think it was either in the 90s or 80s and uh freaking ethan hawk he was the kid and i could not believe that he was the kid I like it. that's ethan hawk um but they use real animals right and now anytime you turn on something and there's a wolf or a dog or whatever, it's some CGI garbage instead of a real freaking wolf, right? Or a real bear. It means a lot more. And I know ASPCA and all that stuff, but it just it felt more. And we need to get back to, this. you know, as, as we move forward in technology, we got to remember where we came from and, uh, and uh, see what maybe the old stuff is a bit more appropriate in this situation.
1: No, I'm with you. I'm with you. All right, before we before we go, um, you want to tell everybody where can they follow you? You on LinkedIn, Twitter, web pages, stuff like that. Hey,
0: absolutely, everybody can follow me on LinkedIn. It's Daniel Gomez. Um, we I have a couple of uh, businesses on there, right? So my my company's First Person Experience. We do immersive training for special operations and governments. Um, our new project is the Living Adaptive Battlefield. It's all the lab. Right, And that's specifically designed to teach human dynamics, creative thinking uh, in in the military, and idea experimentation, right? So we're doing our first demo in two weeks um, during the First Special Forces Command Global Symposium where I will be presenting, but it's uh, one of the first times we will be able to show people what we believe the future of training is and the future of um, creative idea experimentation for national defenses so that you can check us out we're
1: all on the internet awesome good stuff check out task force wolf on the blog give it a read through uh daniel gomez thank you so much for being here thanks for being a mad scientist thanks for submitting to the writing contest that we had and thanks for having this discussion with us
0: thanks guys i really appreciate it's been a blast and let me know i'm always here to support you guys and your mad scientist initiatives
1: Thanks for listening to The Convergence. I'd like to thank our guest, Lieutenant Colonel Daniel Gomez. You can connect with Mad Scientist through Twitter at ArmyMadSci. And don't forget to subscribe to our blog, the Mad Scientist Laboratory, at madsciblog.tradoc.army.mil. Finally, if you enjoyed this podcast, please consider giving us a rating or review on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you accessed it. This feedback helps improve future episodes of The Convergence and allows us to reach a bigger and broader audience.